the majority of people will only see Bitcoin because they'll be working for it. And so there's a limited amount of time. Nobody knows how long that is, just game theory knows, but there's a limited amount of time to preempt it, to accept it, to get set up, to have it. And it will probably be the craziest redistribution of wealth humanity has ever seen. Welcome to the Business Bitcoinization Show, the show dedicated to helping you enrich your life and grow your business with Bitcoin, the hardest money on planet Earth. I'm your host, Josh Friedemann, and our guest today is John Burnett, who's the owner of Tequiza Tacos in Miami and co-host of the B-Commerce podcast alongside of Michael Atwood, who's the founder of Oshi, who you've heard on this podcast before if you've been listening for long enough. John's been accepting Bitcoin at his restaurants and actively helping onboard people to Bitcoin since 2021. But of course, before we get to our conversation with John, we have this week's Bitcoin Meetup Spotlight, and this week it's Columbus Bitcoin. Are you in the central Ohio area? Are you Bitcoin curious, maybe even Bitcoin confident? If so, you owe it to yourself to come out to the next Columbus Bitcoin Meetup on October 18th at 6 p.m., located at 16-Bit Bar in Dublin, Ohio. Columbus Bitcoin is a bi-weekly Bitcoin social meetup where they share Bitcoin stories, technical expertise, and business networking, but most importantly, create new friendships. Regardless of whether you're brand new to Bitcoin and trying to navigate and understand the terminology, or whether you helped write the rough draft of the Bitcoin white paper all the way back in 2009, all are welcome to come learn and share their experience. For more information, visit columbusbitcoin.io or follow them at columbusbitcoin.io. On Twitter. And of course, if you answered no to the very first question about whether or not you're in central Ohio, but still want to find a Bitcoin meetup near you, I always encourage people to download the Oshi app. Oshi is an app that not only lets you see Bitcoin meetups across the United States and even across the world, so you'll always know the closest Bitcoin meetup to you. They also include restaurants and other stores that accept Bitcoin and even give you cash back in Bitcoin. And if you look in Miami, you're actually going to find John Burnett's Tequiza Tacos right there. So next time you're in Miami, I encourage you to check out Tequiza Tacos and be sure to use the Oshi app so that you can get some cash back in Bitcoin. If you want to check out the Oshi app for yourself, you can find that link down in the show notes. Now, we're going to get to our interview with John right after this. There are dozens of places where you can buy Bitcoin. So where do you go? Well, since the beginning, I've gone to Swan. Swan Bitcoin offers ways for you to dollar cost average with daily, weekly, or monthly buys. They also let you make instant buys. And if you're looking to purchase $100,000 or more over time, they're Swan Private. In fact, I can't think of a lot of good reasons not to at least check out Swan. So to get started, go to swanbitcoin.com slash bizbit. And if you're on the fence about Bitcoin, just trying to learn more, you can download your free copy of Inventing Bitcoin from Swan. People who don't know about Swan are buying this excellent overview of Bitcoin on Amazon right now. But you, you know about Swan. So go to swanbitcoin.com slash B-I-Z-B-I-T. And if you're looking for a risk-free way to take Bitcoin for a test drive in your business, let me tell you about Oshi. Oshi allows you to give your customers cash back in Bitcoin using the Bitcoin Lightning Network. Merchants love the Lightning Network because it provides instant payment settlement and makes chargebacks a thing of the past. It's great for you, but what's in it for the customer? Oshi changes this. With Oshi, you can set up promotions to incentivize customers to pay in Bitcoin. 
there are zero processing fees and you only pay the two and a half percent platform fee when customers actually make purchases. To see if Oshi's right for you, go to oshi.tech slash bizbit. That's oshi.tech slash B-I-Z-B-I-T. And now on to today's interview. John, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. So I like to start off every single interview with a few questions that help us to get to know you a little bit better and give us some insight for our own lives. So you ready for these? Yep. Let's do it. When and how did you first learn about Bitcoin? Well, the first time I, I, I touched on it uh, was in 2017. I believe it was 2017. It was at the top of the, uh, the bull market. And um, I didn't know much of anything. I was very busy with the business. And... Uh, uh, a family member, uh, you know, tried to introduce me. Um, I was pretty intrigued, but again, didn't understand in any way the depth of it. And so I said, okay, I'll give it a try. I bought $1,000 worth on Coinbase, and it was like twelve or $14,000. And then it abruptly crashed down to three. And so being busy and, you know, just trying to grow a business, I'm like, well, that that's that's not great, but I'll just wait it out. I'll just keep it. Uh, so fast forward until after the beginning of the pandemic, I was quite a late bloomer with Bitcoin. Uh, he told me he was moving and selling his house. And I said, well, what are you doing that for? And he said, well, because the market's about to crash. I'm like, oh, let's talk about it because I have a house too. And, you know, I don't want to be caught with my pants down. So uh, we met up in Orlando. And uh, first thing he asked me basically when we got there was, uh, hey, did you buy any more Bitcoin? I said, no, I've just been busy, been busy with the business. And he's like, oof. And, and you know, he said it in a way that I was like, okay, well, let me know. What is this? And uh, so we started talking and talking and talking. And, uh, and I was still kind of confused. And then I asked him, I said, well, what, what confuses me is, you know, what about all these other coins? And um, and he just looked at me like super serious, and he just said, "They're all shit. There's only one. There's only one coin that you need to worry about." And I was like, "Okay, well, let's talk about it." And so we talked for a couple of days, and thought experiments, watching videos, and um, you know, for me, I've always been, me and my wife both have marched to our own beat, and so we've always questioned things and not really gone with the flow. Just always you know, been a, a bit questioning on, on all things in life. And when I started pulling that thread, I was like, wow, like this is truth, you know? And, and I realized that, that, uh, without a North pole of truth, then nothing else can really be figured out in life. And when I found Bitcoin, it was, it hit me like a ton of bricks. And I really feel like I could see in color for the first time. And I turned to my wife, I said, we're selling our house. And she said, okay, I uh, came back and talked to my business partner. I said, we need to reconfigure. We need to incorporate this into the business. Um, he's a developer turned chef. And uh, so he, he was, you know, we've always been quite tech savvy. So he's like, okay, you know, let's, let's do it. Um, and uh, we started reserving Bitcoin on the balance sheet with uh, Unchained Capital. And, uh, and then from there... I went down the Bitcoin rabbit hole. I thought, okay, this is great. And then at a certain point, I'm like, well, what do we have now? And I went down the fiat rabbit hole, and that uh, scared the hell out of me. And then uh, it led me to digital privacy and all the other subsequent rabbit holes uh, that one inevitably goes down. 
so that was it that was uh, I was on a fast track to to really exploring and I spent you know a year and a half two years really diving into everything I could to try to figure out the landscape as detailed as I could to try to position us for what's to come and this isn't my official second question here, but I'm, I'm sort of curious because you just mentioned how, you know, you, you fall down the rabbit hole and you start asking all these different questions or looking into all these different areas you haven't previously considered. I feel like everyone has maybe a different entry point, but you end up exploring a bunch of different topics. Is there one right now that is interesting to you or you find yourself thinking about more, spending more time in uh, than others based off of uh, what you've looked at so far, kind of where you've come from so far? I mean, so I went Bitcoin to current system, we'll say. Um, I started researching the Federal Reserve, uh, read The Creature from Jekyll Island, uh, started reading everything I could, watching everything I could. That led to, uh uh-oh, we have a big, growing, tyrannical government on top of us, which led to uh, digital privacy. So I started doing everything I could to understand digital privacy, how to protect oneself. Uh, And then that led to what else is going on. So that led to food. Uh, So I I really got close with uh, Texas Slim and uh, what he's doing uh, just from the, the, say, tainted food supply that we have. Um, Everything from medical tyranny to how authoritarians work to statecraft to, to all that kind of stuff. And it really opened up the entire shebang. You know, it was, it's really, okay, this has been going on for a long time. And uh, there are devious forces at play. However, thank God for Bitcoin. <laughs> Otherwise, it'd be a pretty bleak scenario. So, you know, just trying to learn as much as I could about all that stuff. And, and you know, and then there's others I'm dabbling in now, which has to do with, uh, you know, more spiritualistic type uh, uh, philosophical things. But uh, those are the, the, the more nuts and bolts of it as far as uh, where Bitcoin led me. The second question is this. What's an insight or fact about Bitcoin that you wish that everyone understood? I would say what people need to understand... Uh, everybody says, you know, what is money? Um, and, and that's a really interesting question. But, you know, what is it really? Uh, we've never had a tool to deal with human time until now, right? Gold failed us. It tried its best, but it failed us. And everything else is completely secondary to gold. So I think in a high level uh, look at things, we're born and then we die. And all we have, the only resource which really matters is our time. And when we are productive with our time, then it produces value which we need to be able to store. And we need to store it through space and we need to store it through time. Meaning we need to be able to go to the market and buy some food to sustain us for another day and we need to uh, be able to hold something for a winter and then spend it down the road and not have it devalue. Uh, so really, the big problem with humanity is a, a tool to protect our time or our life force or human energy or whatever you want to call it, that we trade with each other without it being manipulated, co-opted, uh, so that the rules of the game can be changed by the few against the many. 
And and so this is really what Bitcoin does, and, I, and, and the implications of that are quite astonishing and that we probably have no idea of right now. Once that's achieved, then it allows humans to be the most productive and efficient, and it allows uh, all these people that currently are stuck in poverty to have great ideas and to to innovate and to flourish. And I think it's the only situation where humanity can really progress uh, and solve big-time problems that we need to solve in order to, to live on, basically. The next question is, what is the Bitcoin resource that you most recommend to other people? You know, I would probably have to say the Bitcoin standard. Um, mm -hmm. So I wasn't recommended the Bitcoin standard, and I did probably 200 hours of research before I found it. And then I read it, and I was like, wow, I could have saved a lot of time. So that's that's <laughs> such a good um, holistic, it, you know, it gives, it's the meat and potatoes of Bitcoin, I would say. And, and everything else can build on top of that. It's the foundation of the cake. And in a relatively short read, it gives you so much knowledge and foundation by which to explore other avenues of Bitcoin. So I think that that's probably the most recommended thing. I mean, you could recommend, you know, as a first book, uh, all kinds of stuff, but will it confuse people? Will it be an easy read? Are they going to know the foundation that they need to know in order to understand that? So that's usually my go-to. So this podcast is for business owners. And so I like this question because it, it gets us out of Bitcoin a little bit and allows, you know, you as a peer of other business owners to kind of share what you've been learning. So the, the next question is, is beyond Bitcoin, what is a tool, resource or an idea that's been valuable to you or your business recently? Uh, I would say it's um, an idea uh, that comes from Bitcoin, but I think it's propagating out the concept of proof of work to everything that we do. So the, the idea that um, you can, you're only entitled to value if you create it. And we've always found ourselves kind of in this position, just naturally, just, you know, me and my partner, my wife, uh, everybody involved in the business has always been a very artisanal mindset, very much a let's do something the very best way we can, and therefore people will want it. Um, but I didn't really understand what that was until Bitcoin. And and really, proof of work is in everything that we do that, that produces value. And by contrast, you can see professions and businesses that, that don't have proof of work, and they're basically skimming value, right? And And so I think... You know, we need to, and, and it goes to all positions, all elements of the business. Is a position, uh, an hour of labor, is it creating value or is it destroying value? Right. So if if we have a position uh, or a role in the business that is perpetuating it forward, then it's it's creating value, and if it's not, then it's it's detracting from the value we're already creating, and. And, and it goes to how do I use my time? How do we use the company resources? Uh, and, it, and when that embeds into the kind of fabric of what you're doing, then, then it, you change the way you do things. And you make decisions arguably far sooner than you would otherwise to try to protect the value that you've created. 
Now we have our final, what we call arbitrary but insightful question, and it's this. As a general life principle, is it better to ask why or why not? If I understand correctly, uh, I always ask why, uh, just to question everything, because I think that fundamentals need to be verified, right? So, you know, if I'm going to say, well, why not do something, then I, you know, I need to rule out some, some issues maybe, but that doesn't mean they're fundamentally sound. So for me, it's uh, don't trust verify, you know, as we say. Um, I think it's important to say, why should I do this? Uh, what are the principles behind it? Not just why not, you know, the why not is like, you know, everybody's doing it. Why not? But why is like, look, tell me, tell me, it better be built on something sound. That's why, you know, Bitcoin is, is so incredible. The fundamentals are unquestionable. And when people, they start getting weak in the knees, the people that I've, you know, maybe more recently orange build, they're like, man, what's happening with Bitcoin? Ah, oh, the price dropped and all that kind of stuff. And I say, look, fundamentals don't change based on price. And that goes for Bitcoin. That goes for GameStop. That goes for AMC. I mean, just because it's going up doesn't mean it's good. And just because it's going down doesn't mean it's bad. So I think it's everybody needs to ask why they do anything. Why are things happening in the world the way they are? And, uh, and why not is kind of a, I mean, a less important question for me. Well, John, we're here today to talk about what you're doing in your community, uh, both by the, the value you create through the food that you're serving them, also the education you're giving as far as Bitcoin goes. To start off, could you just share with us a little bit about uh, your restaurant, or I guess I think you have a couple different um, locations, so maybe your restaurants and how those got started, a little bit about your background in the food industry. I'm probably the least qualified person in the kitchen in our business. I never set out to be in the restaurant business or necessarily even food and beverage, but I did always, I was always fascinated by food and beverage because it's, uh, you know, hospitality is, I think, a, a underappreciated craft that, that really provides a lot of joy for people if done right. Um, I've always been in, uh, I was in Europe uh, for years in uh, Holland and Germany and met my wife there. She's from Brazil, went to Brazil, then went to the West Coast. And then I came to Miami. Uh, I was called up to do a project uh, called Freehand, uh, which is down here. And it, hmm. it was a Indian Creek Hotel before. And my role is to uh, assist in the redevelopment, rebranding, and then run the operational company on top of it, including the food and beverage uh, with some really great people. Um, it wasn't for me. It was hedge fund backed. Not a big hedge fund fan. Uh, and uh, my partner in Tequiza was also there running the culinary. And uh, about the same time we left and I put together a, a couple guys to buy a building in South Beach. And it had this little restaurant space on the ground floor, which is underutilized. And they had the wrong concept in there. And for us, it was something casual. Uh, we wanted to be approachable. We wanted the food to speak for itself. And so we teamed up and uh, we landed on tacos. And then my partner really took it to a whole new level uh, where we do a process called nextimalization, which we take organic heirloom blue corn, uh, cook it, soak it, grind it on a stone wheel, make our own masa, roll our own tortillas. And all of the ingredients are very, uh, very high quality. And yeah, we wanted to do it in a way that would really set the bar. We did that and uh, we had no money to start. Longer story, I can tell you that later. But, uh, you know, classic cash strapped uh, uh, 
situation, and we didn't pay for any marketing or whatever. The food just kind of caught on, and before you knew it, we were invited to be on diners, drive-ins, and dives. And uh, uh, I did not realize that. Yeah, and that's still that's awesome. played. Yeah, I believe worldwide. Uh, later, we were invited to be on the Zimmerman list, and we were always part of the uh, food and wine festival, and 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 really active in that scene. Um, had our challenges as as always, and uh, and then we were about to get, we're about to be a real company when COVID hit, and then we had to go from about 120 employees to three, and we had to button down the hatches and and all that stuff and hope for the best. Uh, luckily, we made it out, and um, and then I started really questioning the world, and hence Bitcoin. So uh, that's that's in a nutshell. Uh, uh, what the business is, we have two locations. We have one in South Beach, one in North Beach. We're opening one in Delray Beach, uh, further north. And um, we're actually expanding our tortilla wholesale business. Uh, we're about to open a new commissary kitchen where we can do a lot of other creative catering stuff, but also we'll have uh, the ability to produce tortillas on a mass scale uh, and hopefully start supplying to the whole state of Florida. And would that be through like a particular chain or just do all sorts of stores like taking things that are made in state? I mean, it's uh, we supply restaurants now. We do high end restaurants like the Ritz Carlton and Four Seasons and things. Uh, but we've we've always hand rolled all, all of our tortillas. And now we we have a really cool uh, new machine and equipment that allows us to do even better consistency. But we can, you know, if we wanted to, we could produce 100,000 tortillas a day. And, uh, and and really get them out there. So that's anything from direct-to-restaurant, food service providers, um, probably things like grocery stores are the last thing we would do is that's quite a headache. But, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it's uh, food production, I think, is going to be really key. Uh, you know, with uh, certain economic headwinds which are coming, it could be that retail restaurants suffer more than, than actual food production. And I think... Um, you know, if you have your, your finger on the pulse of what's going on with food supplies, energy, fertilizer, crops, and all that kind of stuff, then, then I think it's pretty important that all of the small business or at least local businesses try to have as much local food production as possible. Well, I saw on your website you had a Casa de Masa, and I thought that might just be a little cute rhyme, but it sounds like that's really, like, there's a good reason for that, right? <laughs> yeah, it's, um, I mean, it really is. We produce the masa. And that turns into our, our chips. We have a very unique uh, type of uh, totopos is what it's called. <clears throat> and we're also producing all the tortillas. So it's, yeah, it was kind of a, a nice catchphrase that we thought of in the beginning that, that uh, we're having a hard time in the beginning because we went to all this effort to produce these tortillas by hand. And most people didn't know about it. And so sometimes I'd be in the line and I would order something, I'd be like, hey, do you know these guys make their own tortillas just to see if they knew? And they're like, no, I had no idea. That's so cool. So we had to start trying to incorporate ways of uh, spreading the word that, you know, if we're going to go to all this effort, then we definitely want people to know and and that it's it's something special and we put a lot of love into it. Yeah. So that was a good way to describe it. So now I'm interested to understand, because you, you share with us a little bit about how you got into Bitcoin, some of your thinking and all that. You share with us the background of the restaurant. Now, how do those two tie together? When did you start accepting Bitcoin? What's that been like? What are some of the pros and cons, some of the maybe victories and defeats you've experienced along the way? As soon as we started 
uh, buying Bitcoin um, and Unchained Capital is awesome. Um, that's highly recommended. Uh, if, if businesses want to hop on with them, it makes it super easy. Um, and that's that's like where do you put it once you accept it, right? Uh, as soon as we started doing that, I'm like, hmm, how can we accept? You know, and that was some time ago. Uh, there was rumors uh, about Square doing a hardware wallet. Uh, you know, Cash App started up some Bitcoin stuff, and I'm like, it's only a matter of time. And I think it is only a matter of time. But uh, I kind of got impatient. And uh, I wanted to do it right now, and I didn't know how to do it. And I'm like, yeah, do we spool up a BTC pay server? Or what do we do? But again, operationally, you have a lot of things to consider. Uptime, if it does, if it stops working in the middle of service, you know, who's going to be able to fix it? Uh, stuff like that. And so I had a uh, Bitcoin meetup. We were hosting a couple of the meetups with Shay, and uh, Jose from Ibex and Rye came in. Uh, and they, uh, we started getting to know each other and I was kind of explaining, you know, I wish we could do this. I wish we could do that. And they're like, Hey, we can help you. And so we started getting going with that. And, uh, before you knew it, we were kind of soft testing, making sure everything was okay. And by the, uh, by the conference last year, or actually this year, uh, we, uh, we were off to the races and accepting lightning payments, and it's been going really well. And in fact, the uh, they've been awesome. Um, their product is awesome. There's some features there that allow me not to have to worry about controls, um, the way that they can propagate their payment terminals. And the staff learned it really easy. And, and it's really cool because you see people's eyes light up. They're like, wow, that was it? That's so much better than what we're doing already. And... Uh, and, that, and that's really great. So they basically, uh, we take lightning payments and then they automatically go to our Unchained Capital multi-sig wallet. And then the thing is, well, how quickly can you get people into Bitcoin if they're interested? And this was the next puzzle because you can only take as many Bitcoin transactions as people are ready to pay in Bitcoin. And so if sure. somebody's really interested, they're like, hey, Bitcoin, I've heard about that. How do I do it? You don't want to tell them like, OK, sign yourself up for a, a, a <laughs> you know, an exchange. You know, you got to figure out all these different hardware wallets and, you know, come back in three weeks. You know, you, you, you don't want to have to do that. So then it was like, well, how do we get them going right away? And that's where, uh, you know, solutions like BitRamp come in where it's like, hey, just give it a try. Download that wallet, whether it's Moon Wallet or something else, give me 20 bucks, we'll give you 20 bucks in Bitcoin and off you go. So it's kind of closing the loop in a sense to where now people can can pay, purchase, and then, you know, we then hold that Bitcoin in Bitcoin. We don't convert to fiat and hopefully it'll become easier to orange pill other businesses so that we can also pay in Bitcoin for our vendors and whatnot. Sort of curious when it comes to people coming in, you know, they don't necessarily have Bitcoin. You give them a, a way to buy it. How many people are interested in giving that a try? Is, is it still like a, a pretty small minority of younger or more tech forward people? How do you encourage it? Do you use Oshi? Uh, I imagine that there's a connection there between uh, you and Michael since you guys have worked together in the past. But how does all that kind of work together? What, what's, what's the best way to get people paying in Bitcoin 
giving it a test run for themselves. Yeah, we, we, we uh, of course, use Oshi. They're awesome. That application has a viral potential to really propagate out. Uh, it's just a matter of time. In fact, you know, we still have to really promote and, and, and dot some I's and cross some T's as far as our setup. Uh, you know, we're still in process to really promote and, and, and get into a groove there. We're still uh, trying some different stuff out. But I think it's, it's, it's exposure. You know, when people come in, and even if they don't think about Bitcoin, even if they don't, I mean, they've never used it, never considered it, know nothing about it, they're going to see right there in our terminal that we accept Bitcoin. And then there's going to be something else in their life that probably sparks a moment where they're like, uh-huh, I did hear about that. I did see it over at that store. And what is it? And then they're going to go a step further and a step further and a step further. And this is kind of like the snowball building as it rolls down the hill. And and the ones that are, you know, already a bit further down, then they may ask, they may say, hey, how do I do this? Uh, or they may just haul off and pay with Bitcoin. You know, people are always like, when is it going to happen? When is this, you know, renaissance going to happen? Well, if we didn't need Bitcoin we wouldn't have Bitcoin. So people are only going to discover Bitcoin when they feel they need Bitcoin, right? And very few people are going to uh, do what a lot of us have done, which is already been kind of tuned into something like that. And then once they find it, they pounce on it and it changes their life. Most people are going to be like, I'm losing my financial wealth. I'm, yep. I'm struggling somebody please tell me where I can go. And maybe they hear about sound money first. Maybe they hear about gold first, however it comes. And then out of necessity, uh, the whole world is going to swoop into this thing. And I think that'll probably be the gradually then suddenly moment. So one of the things you were also talking about was working with Ibex. What are some of the things that you as a business owner recognized that you needed and began talking with them about? I think it's just, you know, the reason I ask this question is because people who are starting out, they don't know what they don't know. And I think learning from someone who's kind of been through it already and had to troubleshoot some things, other business owners could benefit from that. Yeah, so so we're very tech savvy. So we could have gone the total sovereignty route. We could have spooled up a node. We could have run BTC pay server. We could have done a number of things, but uh, that's not practical for most people. And we wanted to figure out a way to have a kind of a suite of solutions that just anybody could use. And, and so like when, when you're, you know, we've started several businesses and several projects and you know, putting Bitcoin aside for a moment, like when you need to go and accept credit card payments, nobody's becoming their own processor. You know, nobody's like, okay, I'm going to like get into the nuts and bolts of this and understand every protocol that's happening behind the scenes. And and therefore I'm going to just do it all myself. No, they, they need somebody to cover that territory that they can trust that does a good job that they know they won't have any problems. And if they do, they have somebody that they can talk to because nobody has time to become an expert in every field. And typically now people don't have time to even keep their businesses afloat because of inflation and economic turmoil. So we wanted to have something that 
would not be dependent on our tech knowledge that we could just have in place and have you know work with different companies and uh and and so with with ibex that is really easy and um they're very good people to work with a lot of fun we've become great friends and uh and it's 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 something that anybody can just give them a call and just get into right and they can help you along the way so it was really trying to find those solutions and not you know how do you build your own computer i wanted to you know i wanted to figure out if i have friends in the business or in other businesses i wanted to be able to point them to a place where they could just be taken care of and not have to go through mm-hmm. all the research and acquire all the knowledge necessary to put it together themselves and so ibex was a key component unchain capital is a key component oshi bitramp i mean all these great companies just make it super easy and if it's easy for us then it'll be easy for other people and we can really propagate this thing out and 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 the the real push behind it is we're only as good as our community and this is where uh the faster we get businesses in a local community or in an individual state uh on board the more resilient they're going to be collectively in which case the entire economy is going to be better off in which case we're not going to suffer as much if there's a downturn so i think you know if 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 there's no customers at our business we have to close our doors and so that really uh requires uh getting back with the community strengthening them educating them i'm not concerned about a national level i mean you know other communities can do whatever they want uh hopefully they do what's in their best interest which is this uh but uh for us i think it was really just like look this is taking too long how do we kind of package together a suite of stuff that anybody can just hop onto and they don't really need to understand it down to the atomic level they just need to be able to be taken care of final question before we close out and you can give us any additional thoughts that maybe we haven't addressed yet but I'm curious to know, this is sort of a two-part question. First of all, how do you think about the multi-sig setup when it comes to a business? And then also, are there any other things that business owners need to be thinking through as they're getting started with Bitcoin? Uh, sure. So the multi-sig setup we have, uh, I think it's one of the more underappreciated technical innovations uh, that's available to us. And I I deal with a lot of operating agreements, and I've had past problems with with, uh, no current partners, but past partners, and and it got me thinking a lot, like, how do you preempt things that can go wrong in a relationship on a business level? And, uh, you know, we we rely on operating agreements uh, to be written for things that may not occur for a decade, and it's very hard to have that foresight. And if things do go wrong, then we rely on a justice system, which is arguably not the least corrupt. And obviously, that's very costly to even get into anything regarding a legal dispute. And, and so what, what's beautiful about multi-sig is it's just a natural um, mechanism for me to just say no or say yes. Right. So if if we have an operating agreement that says me and my partner need to agree before any transactions are are taken on, then if I betray that agreement or if he betrays that agreement, then it's a big mess. 
However, with multi-sig, I can just not sign. Mm. And it and it it prevents uh, some serious awkward circumstances that could potentially destroy the business. And it also uh, re- requires less reliance on a arguably more unstable rule of law. And so, you, you know, you can propagate that out. Say it's a large organization that has, you know, seven board members on a, on a board of directors and, you know, four of seven need to sign a transaction. Well, then they do. It's uncorruptible. And it really keeps people honest, and it and it means that you don't have to rely on somebody else's honesty, right? So I I'm an honest person. I work very hard at doing that, but I don't want somebody to just have to trust me. You know, I want I want it to naturally work out how it works out. And if I don't want to sign the transaction, or if he doesn't want to sign the transaction, then Bitcoin does what it does best. It means you have to talk it out. It means you have to figure it out. It means you have to collaborate and weigh each other's ideas. And it forces a very beautiful moment of consensus, right? So I think that's really incredible for businesses. I mean, there's countless stories of business, you know, partnerships going wrong, and it usually has to do with you know somebody snatching some cash, and that's just not possible. And what was the second question again? Yeah. It, so the second question is really a continuation of the first, which is you know, multi-sig is one of those things that I think business owners, especially when you have a co-owner, uh, should be aware of. Are there any other things like that that you would think that business owners could benefit from knowing? Yeah, I would say, you know, there, there's some some initial hurdles to accepting Bitcoin. For one is, you know, the volatility, right? Uh, volatility really doesn't matter except in the very beginning, potentially, right? So if you're accepting Bitcoin, you're probably not going to accept so much of it. It's going to be a small percentage of your revenue. So even if there is volatility in the beginning, that probably won't even matter. But as you're accepting Bitcoin, you're effectively dollar cost averaging in to the price. And so after a few months, then it really doesn't matter what the price does, because if the price drops, you're getting more Bitcoin per transaction than you would otherwise. So you're doing good there. If the price goes up, you're getting less Bitcoin per transaction, but your overall balance sheet value rises. So that's one. Uh, the other thing is the tax implications of spending Bitcoin, which so far we haven't. But even if we do pay in Bitcoin, I think people need to, when they when they get nervous about stuff, they just need to zoom out, right? Uh, we're talking tax implications, which we have already. Um, it's something you just got to go through anyways, versus... The most important discovery of all of humanity, which will potentially save your business and completely uh, change your financial future for generations to come versus tax implications, right? So when you compare those two, I don't really care about the tax implications, even if we were spending it and definitely accepting it is uh, something that will protect us against the rising tide of inflation. And then uh, I would probably just say that, that, look, question, why are we forced to use the dollar? Why do we have to? And um, we see what's happening. It's a melting ice cube. It's, it's, um, the value is rising uh, in, in comparison to other currencies, which are falling even faster. But in the grand scheme of things, the dollar is collapsing as well. And you know, if we were all on the Titanic we'd be running for the lifeboats. And this is a luxury yacht sailing up to say, get on board. (laughs) 
So I, I think it's really uh, people need to understand where we're headed. I mean, even re recent events, it's, it's really happening now. And I think more and more people will wake up uh, even quicker. But uh, we are not in a business cycle. We are in the collapse of the biggest Ponzi fiat experiment that humanity has ever constructed. And all of the value that's held in this monopoly money and its derivatives and instruments is going to rush at a certain point for sound money. Probably gold will take part of it and, and Bitcoin will take a lot of it. Eventually, it'll all rush to one, to the very best one, which is Bitcoin. And there's going to be a point where when things are falling so quickly uh, that people will watch their gold and their and, and the paper gold market's going to blow off and that's going to be exposed and everybody's going to lose all their paper gold wealth and then gold is going to shoot up, Bitcoin's going to shoot up. And if Bitcoin is shooting up uh, at... $500 a day, $1,000 a day, nobody's going to want to sell. They're going to just look at that and say, ooh. And that's going to make it shoot up even faster. And so the majority of people will only see Bitcoin because they'll be working for it. And so there's a limited amount of time. Nobody knows how long that is, just game theory knows. But there's a limited amount of time to preempt it, to accept it, to get set up, to have it. And it will probably be the craziest redistribution of wealth humanity has ever seen. So I say buy Bitcoin, embrace it, embrace the Bitcoin circular economy. And one note on the Bitcoin circular economy, just before we go, is it's imperative to save, earn, buy, spend Bitcoin and create the circular economy because, uh, you know, we see as governments get uh, in the end of their days, they do want to control this. And KYC is a big problem. And as the Bitcoin circular economy takes off, it effectively, partially at least, neuters the KYC problem. And uh, it's, it's quite important that we're all just in this economy. We're starting to build it. It's, it's happening. And then we can just opt out of the current system and opt into the future. It's a great place to stop right there. I appreciate the insight you just shared with us. Could you let people know where they can find out more about you and what you're doing, as well as Takiza, if they're ever in Miami and want a great eating experience? Sure, sure. So uh, our website is tequizatacos.com. Um, I'm only on social media on Twitter, at least for the moment. <laughs> uh, that's uh, uh, Truth and Logic BTC. And... Uh, yeah, you can hit me up anytime. And if anybody wants to come and talk and, you know, uh, explore what we've done and if they need a boost, um, then uh, they can look us up. I'm happy to help. And also uh, uh, the other podcast, as you mentioned, is uh, bcommerce.fm. And uh, we'll be spreading the word there as well. Perfect. John, thank you so much for your time today. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, likewise. Thank you for having me. Well, friends, it's a wrap. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Business Bitcoinization Show. If you want to reach out to either me or John, you can find our links down in the show notes. And if you know of another business owner, especially a restaurant owner, who could benefit from hearing about how others are having success using Bitcoin in their business, please share this episode with them. As always, keep building, keep growing, and until next time, keep living and leading well. <laughs>